Did it. Uh, how's everybody doing this week? Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad you're all here. If uh, you are with us online, we are glad you're here as well. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And uh, if you're watching it now or maybe at a later time, uh, we are excited to be here and uh, be taking a look at God's Word. And today, uh, much like the uh, way that we've been in, uh, we'll be in our series, uh, New Life. And most of us, if we were to ask the question, uh, what does new life look like? What does a new normal life look like? We still don't really know how to answer that, right? And we're still trying to work it out. Um, but I love that in the midst of this, um, it, whether there was a pandemic going on or not, um, we're able to, um, like we've read in the quiet time recently, to comfort one another, to comfort other believers. And so I love what uh, Kristen shared, um, that uh, us as a church, I know uh, many of you who have been through struggles and difficulty recently um, have been a resource and a comfort to other people. So um, not just within our own family of faith, but seeing that happen outside, I think should be an encouragement to us. Um, that's a sign of health for a church as well, um, that we can walk through these things and then be able to minister to others, okay? Uh, and so <clears throat> just a personal note for me, uh, I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law, uh, Michelle and Tyler, uh, they uh, came and um, candidated at a church a couple weeks ago, uh, and last week that church voted on them and uh, asked them to come and uh, do the pastorate there. So uh, we, we've been in western New York for less than two years, and we already have more family moving here. So uh, so who would have thought uh, we came and uh, you know people were saying, well, people are moving out, so uh, <laughs> you know, I know how it's going to go. And I say, well, I just keep seeing people move in, and uh, when it's family, you know, it makes a big difference too. So we're excited about that and um, glad to celebrate that together. And so as we, we dive into this you know, additional part of the series, we're in Psalm chapter 14, and uh, we're looking at this idea of living blameless. Um, and when we hear that, we probably think, that's impossible, right, um, to live blameless. Well, um, maybe in the way that you're thinking of it, but when David was writing this 3,000 years ago, uh, he, was, he was writing the words that God gave him, and they were words that have applied ever since then. Um, and to, to bleed blameless in the way that uh, David talked about was really this idea of just what the uh, phrase to remember tells us is making choices. Um, so we make choices every day, right? Sometimes they're simple ones. Um, I like to make, <clears throat> you know, fewer choices with the things that are, you know, just like mundane, like every day. Like what you eat for breakfast, right? I usually eat the same thing every day. You might say, that's boring. I'll say, it's one less decision I have to make, right? And so we all kind of make decisions different ways. Sometimes we like variety, but when it comes down to the way that we live and operate and walk as believers, um, there's a lot of tough decisions and choices that we have to make. Um, whether things are good or things are bad, we have to decide, is, is this choice to follow Jesus going to impact every area of my life? And when David's writing, that's what he's trying to get at. He's not saying, unless you're perfect, then God won't love you. He's saying, if you want to be blameless, here are some areas that you can look at, and here are some things that you can do that will help you uh, be closer to Jesus as you walk towards him with eternity in view, okay? Uh, and so before we get started, I want to show you just a quick video, and then we'll jump back into the text. Every day, we have choices. The choice to get up every morning, to drive to work, to be friendly. The harder choices are when you choose to act, choose to speak up, choose to help, to run into the fire. But all these choices are rooted in something, 
or someone. Who or what informs the choices you make? Your education? Experience? The desire to make a living? The choices we make matter. The most difficult choice we could ever make is the one that brings us the most freedom. Choosing Christ over self. Followers of self listen to the world around them. Followers of self are too busy, too slow, and too distracted to respond. They continually need to unplug and find time for themselves. Followers of Jesus are filled by his teachings. Followers of Jesus act swiftly because they know the difference between needs and wants. Followers of Jesus put others before self and Christ above all. They choose to pick up their cross and follow him daily. So the question is, who are you following? So it's a good question to ask. Who are you following and what choices are we making? And I love um, that a teacher was in the center of that. Um, I think our teachers, which we have several of, are just as much heroes as anybody else. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, it's Teacher Appreciation Day tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you grab something for your teachers, for your kids' teacher, okay? Um, <clears throat> so no matter what you do, some people think um, one job or another, one profession or another, or or way of doing things is greater than another. You have more choices to make, but sometimes it's a difficult choice to, to get out of bed in the morning, right? And that's how the video started. And so from that point, the time you lay your head on your pillow, um, you have so many choices to make, uh, and there's many that are really, really important. Um, and I want to make sure just that we have uh, some things to think about when we're making some of these choices. And so if you're not already in the book of Psalms, go ahead and turn there, and then to Psalm chapter 15. <coughs> we... Uh, we have less than a couple of months to go in this series, so we're actually just covering the first part of the book of Psalms, which uh, was written by David, although there were a lot of authors to the book of Psalms. Um, we know that David wrote this psalm, and Ezra, as he was returning to uh, Jerusalem to help rebuild the temple, and then remember the wall was rebuilt, we went through that last year, and um, Ezra, while he's doing this, um, he's enacting these spiritual reforms, and he's compiling these books of these uh, fathers of the faith into one text for us to read and help us understand. And Psalm 15 um, is really uh, focused more on how do you prepare in life for eternity? Um, What does life look like uh, in view of eternity? So instead of maybe looking at this, and we'll look at the word blameless here in the text, but instead of looking at that and thinking, uh, this is not something that I could ever attain to, so why would I try? Um, Think of this as, as we look towards heaven, it informs the decisions that we make here on earth, and it really involves all of our being in order to be able to do that. And so with that, the first fill in the blank is the question. The question. So there's five today. I know that stresses some of us out. Like, there's normally just three. There's five, okay. It's okay. We'll we'll get through it. Uh, So the first one is the question. Um, And it really just focuses in on this idea in verse one of um, walking with Jesus presently, with that final rest in view. And so it says in verse 1, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? 
Who shall dwell on your holy hill? And so there's two questions here to start this out. It's always um, good to af- ask ourselves some questions when it comes to the choices that we make and, and how we view eternity in, in regards to living this life. And the first question is, who shall sojourn in your tent? Um, and I love that. And a lot of us think, well, like, I haven't been camping in a while, so, like, I don't really know, like, what is he talking about? Like, we're just sort of waiting until it gets warmer so we can camp, you know? Um, like, praise God for that, so we can get out uh, and do that. But when David's talking about this, he's actually referencing um, the tent uh, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle that Moses set up. And when he says, who shall sojourn in your tent? He's talking about walking with the Lord. Who's going to walk in God's presence throughout this life? St. Augustine, who's a church father, said this about verse 1. For we do battle with the devil for a time, and we need a tent in which to regain our strength. And so this is twofold. You know, we know now that um, uh, putting our faith and trust in Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus left, he said, before he left, he said, I'm going to send a helper. And then he did. He sent the Holy Spirit. It dwells inside of us. So we have this um, peace within ourselves, right? Um, Knowing that we can go straight to God at any time, but there's a time to go to that place, kind of like the people of God. They would go to that tent. They would go to the tabernacle. They would go to the temple, which would become a fixed location, and it was for David. But it's interesting, when David's there in Jerusalem, there is a temple already, and they're about to build a, a new, bigger one. Solomon's going to be the one to build that. But there was a place for it, and during Moses' time, it just sort of moved around all over the place. But yet God's presence was there in all of it, including in ourselves. So we have to ask that question, are we, are we going to the Lord regularly? <clears throat> are we spending time with Him? Or are we just sort of going, uh, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, I know there's a place that I can go. And I would encourage you that, that not just having, having the Spirit of God um, is, a, is enough for growing in our faith. We have to actually take that time, like wh- whenever it is for you. Uh, maybe <clears throat> you get up early in the morning, and uh, before you do anything else, you spend time with the Lord. I know that's what I do, because if I didn't, then I just wouldn't have that time. Uh, maybe for you, it's like before you go to bed, or sometime in the middle of the day, maybe you take a lunch, and you just sit in your car, and, and you read the Word. You take the quiet time, like uh, Greg talked about, and, and as easy as it is now, and we have those booklets you can take with you, and you can just leave it in the car, so wherever you're going, you can open that up if you need to go to that place. And so this is awesome, because it's a twofold question. First question is, who shall sojourn in your tent? Are we doing that? Are we actually taking advantage of the fact that we ourselves, like Paul said in Second Corinthians, we read that this week, um, that we are this temple. So we're walking around and we already have that temple inside of us. And so we can commune with God easily. And then he asks this other question, who shall dwell on your holy hill? And he's pointing to this <clears throat> idea uh, of uh, who, who's going to end up in heaven. Has everybody, everybody thought about that? Like, where will I end up when I die, right? It's a good question to ask. In fact, it's one of the most important, and people struggle with that throughout history of what's, I mean, what's going to get me into heaven? And I talk with people all the time and go, well, I've done a lot of good things. And, you know, the problem with that is even when David is referencing this, he's asking that question, who shall dwell on your holy hill? So he's saying, who's going to walk with God? Who's going to be with you forever? And a lot of times, especially in our culture, we think that the answer is, is enough good things piled up on this scale to the right, as long as it outweighs the left, the bad stuff, the things that are not so nice, or things that are even mean, things that we do that we're like, oh, that's not a good idea. God doesn't like that. 
as long as we do more good things, then it'll go well. And that's not exactly what David's trying to get at. Um, he's pointing us towards this idea that if someone's sojourning with God, they're going to be um, so in the presence of God that the decisions that they make will be so much informed by that that they just you know, they end up walking into eternity, right? And it's, and it's normal. Instead of you die and you're like, oh, man, I'm not sure what's going to happen, right? That shouldn't be a question mark for us because it should be filtered through all the other choices that we make and what other people see too, right? As they look at us and go, I think that person's somebody that's different. That person's somebody who can help me. <clears throat> so there's a big difference. I love, we, we also ask this question, like when David was writing, this, you know, Jesus hadn't come yet, and so he's going to come a thousand years later. So um, how did he know like how things would go? And that, I mean, even he having faith in God would grant him eternal life. Well, he walked with God, and then he said, who's going to dwell on his holy hill? And I think Galatians um, answers this question for us. You can read all of chapter 3. It's really helpful, but I'll just read chapter 3, verse 9. It says, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, a man of faith. So if you remember back in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Abraham, and, and God chose him. He said, hey, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And, and all throughout the scripture, Abraham is referenced as this guy who had great faith. He was the father of faith. And, and so just like that, David, he's trusting in this hope that he has, that he's put his faith and trust in God. And so he, he knows where he's going to go. It's because he's sojourning with God. He's walking with him, and he's got eternity in view. He says, who's going to dwell with you, God? It's a question that we all need to ask. And so in thinking about this living blameless, again, it's not about being perfect, but it's about looking at eternity and going, where am I going to end up? And is it informed, is that perspective informed through the choices that I make? So here's the second fill in the blank, the heart, Uh, the heart. Um, It's one of the things that the scripture talks about a lot. Um, And so as you fill in that one, number two, the heart, uh, it's important for us to think about that too, because a lot of times we just go, uh, well, if I do the right things, right, especially in front of other people, if I go to church, um, if I'm nice, then, like, God's good with me, right? Uh, then he's okay, and we're okay, and when I die, we'll stand before him and say, hey, we're good, right? But what question does God often ask in the text? Well, he does here in verse 2, he says, he who walks blameless and does what is right and speaks the truth in his heart. So this word here for blameless, he who walks blameless. This word talmim in the Hebrew, it means to be complete, whole, unimpaired, or having integrity. And so the question is, do we, do we have that? Um, I like that word, the idea complete within that blameless. So you hear blameless and you think, well, you know, perfect, right? But yet this word here for complete points us more to this idea of being complete found in God, right? And it's not like when we have a bad day, right? Because everybody has a bad day, Right, I had a bad day this week, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I had a bad day. So when we have those bad days, we go, man, I'm glad I walk with God and I walk blameless, not because I can be perfect, not because I don't have bad days, but because I'm found complete in God, not perfect. And so then he says, and, and does what is right, uh, and that word in the Hebrews, uh, sadek, and it's just the word just or righteous, and Job said it in Job 36.3 says, I will get my knowledge from afar and ascribe righteousness to my maker. So where does this right action or where does this ability to be righteous or live rightly or do the right things come from? Well, it doesn't come from us, right? So when we, when we think about being blameless or being complete in God, we have to understand that even these right actions, uh, God enables us to do. Um, and so instead of like when we've had a bad day, we just beat ourselves up and we go, God, <laughs> it's not working out. 
can't do this. I give up, right? We probably all felt like that from one time to another. But this doesn't rest on us, and Job knew this. So after Job goes through all of his struggle, he says this in verse 36, I will get my knowledge from afar and ascribe righteousness to my maker. So who does he ascribe it to, his righteousness? Well, he ascribes it to God, his maker. Um, And so the same same thing, like when days are going bad, we go, oh, I just can't do this anymore. And when days are going well, and we're like, this is a really good day. Like I feel good, like I'm I'm a good Christian today. Uh, And then we go to this this same idea, so this righteousness, these right acts, Job says it himself, and ascribe righteousness to my maker. So who do we give it to? Like when it's a good day, we're like, I feel good today. Jesus gets all the credit, right? So that makes it easy. We don't, we don't beat ourselves up. We don't allow Satan to do that and whisper in our ear when days don't go so well, when days go well, and there's right action, and we go, man, I really feel like you know, I'm in tune with the Spirit today, and, and thank you, Jesus, that you enabled me to do that. And so right, and then it says, and speaks truth. In his heart, and so that word for uh, for truth, and we've seen it many times in the scripture with this word hemeth, which means sureness or reliability. So, who do we rely on? And through all these things, in this completeness, in this right action, righteousness, which is given to us by God, uh, we look at this word truth, and we go, "Man, we, yeah, well, this is, should be something we should be about." When we think about truth, it's the sureness or reliability. So, so who do we trust in? Who are we able to rely on and trust in? And who's, when people look at us, should they go, "Man, like"? They're really reliable, like they're really sure. Why is that? Because our completeness and our blamelessness, well, where does that come from? It comes from God. And then he says, in our hearts, right? And we go, oh, okay. Then it got really difficult, right? So we were going through all this, like, yeah, give God the credit, like even good days, bad days. And then the truth, yes, we should be about that. And all truth belongs to God anyway. And then he says, in his heart. Oh, man, it just got really difficult. Because in the Hebrew, that word's the labeb, meaning... Uh, the inner man. So it's not just good enough, right, to kind of practice some of these things or act like we acknowledge them uh, on the outside or outwardly. God goes, we, he wants this to be true in our hearts, right? That this truth would surpass that into our hearts. And Jesus said something about this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks and this equivalent word here in the Greek is the word cardia, uh, and it's used throughout the New Testament. And when Jesus comes, he talks a lot about the heart, right? Um, he says, yes, um, law, this is what has come before. This is the right standard. But if your heart's not right, if your heart's not in it, in fact, if, you're, if your heart does something wicked or you do something in your mind, that's still a violation of God's word. He says, we, we need to think about this in the innermost part of our beings, in our hearts, do we really believe like what we practice? Um, because it's one thing to say it, right? But it's another thing to, I mean, you're alone at night and you're about to lay your head on your pillow and you're thinking about what really matters. You think, is this something that changes all of me, that ultimately penetrates all the way to my core of what matters? And um, so that's the important thing. And then if we are viewing this in light of eternity, we're able to see this rightly, right? So instead of when we have a bad day, hey, man, God, I can't do this anymore. And when things are going well and there's righteousness present, we, we ask for that, God gets all the credit. And we, we do this truthfully, but then what matters the most? Well, to God, and what David said, he goes, the thing that matters the most is inside, is inside of your heart. Do you believe this? Are you practicing this for the right reasons? Are you following me for the right reasons? Are you walking in fellowship with me in view of eternity in all of these things? And so we go from the heart to the third fill in the blank. It's the tongue. The tongue. And a lot of us are going like, yeah, my heart's good. Like, uh, 
yeah, like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I really believe, you know, what I say, and I practice it, and, and everybody knows that. But then we get to the tongue, we're like, oh, could be a problem, Mary. Maybe it is for you, maybe it's not. What David said was this, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his friend. Man, so this word here for um, slander, um, that's one we've heard in the New Testament as well. It's like, um, are we a people that gossip, right? Are we a people that uh, backbite? Are we people that, you know, attack one another? Um, Alana's gotten to this phase, our oldest, uh, where she likes to come and jump on my back, right? Um, and so it's just fun. She jumps on me and grabs me, and, you know, we spin around. Uh, but do you know people like that? Don't point them out through here. If you're thinking about somebody, you might want to look at yourself first, right? Because this is what the text is supposed to do. Um, so do we know people like that? Just at every opportunity, you're jumping on our backs, right? And they're like, you know, backbiting, and they're slandering, and they're gossiping. And David says, who does not slander with his tongue, and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against a friend. So this word for slander is regal in the Hebrew. It just means to, to backbite. It's kind of a weird, you know, phrase, right? You're like, backbite? Like, nobody wants to bite somebody's back, right? That's weird. So, but, the, but what it means is that we are, we are attacking, we're slandering, we're gossiping, right? We're spreading things that don't have anything to do with us. And, and we see that in the world around us, right? I mean, you just turn on the news, right? And you just have to go, is that true? I wonder. Because um, there's a lot of slander going on, no matter where you turn on the TV. And so we can't be a people like that. And so God, he doesn't just want us to, to walk with him, to keep eternity in view and all this, but he wants us to, in our hearts, really believe this, what we say, what we practice, what we preach. And he wants our mouths to be a part of that, right? To not just say, well, I'm going to believe it, but my mouth doesn't have any part to do with it. I can do what I want with that aspect of my being. And so we've got to be people that, right, don't speak hatefully, um, don't taunt, don't reproach, don't like to your neighbor. Um, and maybe you're like, well, you don't know my neighbor, right? <laughs> Literally my next door neighbor, you don't know them. And so if you did, then you wouldn't be saying that. Well, uh, all throughout the scripture, God tells us that what? We're supposed to love our neighbor, whether that's the person who lives next door or the person who sits next to you in class or is close to you in work and annoys you. Maybe he doesn't do things the way you think they should be done. And what does God say? It doesn't matter who they are, that we would not take up a reproach against even a friend, right? So we have to be people that when, when people look at us, they just go, man, like, if I was in that situation, I would not act like that. I'd be talking about them, but we don't live like that, right? So our tongue matters. Here's the fourth thing, the eyes, the eyes. Oh, I know we were like, oh, the heart, okay, we got that. Like, I'm walking with God, my heart's good, and or at least we think it is. Your heart's good, and, and then, yeah, my mouth, like, I don't talk about people. Like, I'm I'm good at being kind, like no matter where I am and not spreading slander or gossip. And then he gets to the eyes. I know some of us are go like, what does that mean, right? Well, let's see what David says. Because I think we need some lens, we're right lenses, right? We need some contacts or some bifocals or something. And so in verse 4 it says, uh, In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. So here's the question, do we, do we see things rightly? Like when we see evil things, when we see things that are vile or wicked, are we going like, are we approving of those things? You know, I think about like Paul, when we, you know, we've read through that recently too, and Paul's um, standing there and uh, Stephen, uh, he's just been elected as a deacon. You know, by the way, deacons, like, good luck, right? Uh, so he, he just gets elected as a deacon and, and then he gets stoned. And you see Paul standing there in approval 
right? So what, is, what would a believer do, right? If somebody's getting killed for their faith, we're going like, uh, oh, wow, that's, I mean, terrible. That's so difficult. Like we, we see wicked things for the way they are, right? We don't look on things like that and be like, yes, that's right, right? Well, not like the rest of the world that goes, when wicked things happen, when vile things happen, or they just don't care, right? So we should be moved by those things, right? Now we, in perspective, it says, who, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but, on, but who honors those who fear the Lord. So there was a guy, too, in uh, the book of Esther. Um, I'll just read this to you. It's verse uh, 2 out of chapter 3 of the book of Esther. Just an example for us. It says, And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage, homage to Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. So uh, Mordecai, we know, um, was a guy who loved God. He loved righteousness. He loved following God, walking with him. And what did he not do? He didn't bow down to wickedness, right? He saw vileness for what it was, and he stood his ground. And ultimately, we'll be able to see that the, the person who is able to look at these aspects of God, walk with him with their heart, with their mouth, and with their eyes in right perspective for the rest of the world. Now, this doesn't mean that when we see these things, we, you know, we, um, we, we jump on Facebook and like, how terrible are these people, right? Because everybody likes to do that. But we go, man, God, that breaks our heart. How can I help? How can I be a part of the solution? So we need to change our perspective and then honor those who fear um, the Lord. So we should be looking to those who, who walk faithfully. I mean, I hope that you have people around you um, that are like this, people like you spend time with. They're like, when something's going on, you just need to ask a question. Um, I know I have several people in my life like that that have discipled me over the years. But then when I'm just not sure, I'm like, I need some advice, right? Or I need some encouragement. Do I go to somebody who's like, you know, younger than me or hasn't known Jesus as long? They may not be able to <laughs> provide some good advice to me, right? No, but I go to somebody who is older and wiser and who's been walking with Jesus longer. And I say, hey, um, what do you think about this? How can, how can you help me here? And so it says, but who honors those who fear the Lord? And, and David knew this. Um, he, when he got to the position that he was in, um, he didn't make the kingship about him being awesome. He made it about God being awesome. He knew he wasn't the ultimate source of authority. He knew that um, everything was not about him. He knew it was about pointing the glory and the honor to God. And so how did we do that? Well, we get other people around us. So how do we have right perspective? Well, we see the world for what it is. We see vileness and wickedness for what it is. And then we get other people around us and we honor those who have been walking with Jesus longer. And we say, hey, how can you help us see rightly? Because sometimes we don't, right? It's kind of like we've talked about in the last several weeks when a kid thinks something's a good idea and mom and dad go, that's not, don't do it, right? So, so what normally happens? Either they test and they do the wrong thing and things go bad or they honor the person in the position of authority and wisdom and things go well, right? So, and David says this, but honor those who fear the Lord. There's a reason for it. <clears throat> and then it says, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. So <clears throat> we need to be careful about how we, um, what we swear to or the things that we say we're going to do because it says here, who swears to his own hurt and does not change change, right? Been a lot of change recently, hasn't there? Um, and so that's okay, right? That's a part of life. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes, even in maybe pursuing God or thinking that we're doing the right thing, before being prayerful, before looking at the situation, getting careful evaluation, and getting that godly wisdom advice from those who fear the Lord, um, we sometimes, we take an oath or we swear something or we, we say we're going to do something that maybe isn't the best course of action. Um, so there's a, there's an account about a guy named Japheth in Judges chapter 11, 
And um, it's one that's hard to read. I'm not going to read it for us. But Japheth, he basically, I mean, he's one of the judges in Israel, which those guys are strange anyway, most of them. Um, they're, not, they're not like um, necessarily prophets, although they do carry out God's will. And they're not like priests. Um, they do a lot of things that are not cool um, amongst kind of rescuing God's people every time they start messing up. And basically what they do is uh, when things are going bad, a judge comes or a judge is already present and they go, God, would you help us defeat these people? And that's what Japheth does in Judges chapter 11. And he says, God, if you would help us defeat the people, we've all done this before, right? God, if you would do this, I would do this for you, right? And be careful with that, right? Because Japheth made a promise that he ultimately didn't want to keep, but he did. He said, if you will let us defeat the people, then uh, the first thing that comes out of my door when I get home, I will sacrifice to you. And if you remember that story, you know who it was? It was his daughter, his only daughter, that walked out of the house when he gets back. And she, of course, because they've won the battle, is celebrating and dancing and singing and runs up to him. And what is his response? To tear his clothes and cry, right? Now, we should take note of that because even though they won the battle, Japheth, he, he made an oath and he swore something that he really shouldn't have done, right? Sometimes we make those deals with God, and, we, and really what we should do is just say, hey, God, <clears throat> instead of making um, this kind of oath or swearing to our own hurt, we want to be wise, right? We want to have eyes that see things correctly. Uh, we want to see the world for the way that it is, honor those who are uh, fearful of the Lord, who have been doing this longer than we have, um, and not make these commitments that we can't keep, and not say, God, if you would do this, then I'll do this. And so David knows. He goes, God's got everything in his hands anyway. All right, so why do we feel like at times we need to make deals, or make, we need to make things better? We need to figure out a situation that's going to help, instead of just trusting in him for right perspective that will affect our right actions, and will ultimately help us make the right choices. Um, so here's the last one, because there's a result to all of this, okay? So... Um, we, we looked at walking with God, so um, what's the question we need to ask ourselves? Do we walk with Him daily? Um, are we doing that? Are we pursuing God at all with eternity in our view? Um, and then are we, uh, are we looking at the important things in our life? So is our heart right? I mean, is, and that's the thing that we, we need to look to that everything else flows from. And Jesus told us this, that out of your mouth, what's going to happen? Well, your heart's going to flow, Okay. Um, and so David talks about that too. He says, oh, our tongue's important, right? Because if we're living in a certain way, then we're going to operate with our mouths in a certain way. And then our eyes, what's going in, what's coming out? How are we living? How are we seeing things rightly? Um, do we need, which we all do, do we need those glasses of somebody else who's, who's older, who's wiser, who's walking with Jesus? Do we need to ask God for help to see things rightly for the way that they are? And then not say, hey, God, <clears throat> here's what I see. I'm going to make things better on my own. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it, right, like Japheth thought that he could. And so for us, what's the result of that? Well, uh, it's in verse 5, it's this idea of being stable, not shady, right? And so here's what it says, verse 5, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never <clears throat> be moved. Um, and so who are we? Um, and this is not saying, hey, don't put your money in the bank right, and get interest, all right? So uh, that's not inherently evil or anything like that. But, uh, but he's saying, hey, do, are we people that take advantage of others? Do we do shady things, right? Do we, are our hearts right, our mouths right? Are we asking ourselves the right question about following Jesus? Because if we are, the result is not going to be acting like the rest of the world, right? It's not going to be um, acting in a way that doesn't honor God. <clears throat> and then he says, he who does these things shall never be moved, and so, uh, and just in reviewing these things, are we, are we committed in our hearts? Are we dedicated 
with our mouths? Do we view everything through, really they should be the Lord's eyes, right? And do we wonder why people who are like older and wiser and more godly, when we ask them, hey, what do you think about this? And they, they say something that we're like, I would have never thought of that, right? Uh, there's, there's a reason for that. And so like what Kristen mentioned, uh, especially as we go through difficulty, God shows us things that others haven't seen yet, right? And God reveals to us. And so there's, we shouldn't be surprised when like, people ask and say, hey, uh, how did you handle this? How did you get through this? Well, let me tell you. And their mind's blown, right? And why is that? Because as we put on those right lenses, as we seek help from others, God gives us that right perspective. And so I, I know we, we look at all this and we kind of think like, well, you don't know the kind of choices that I have to make every day. Like mine are much more difficult than, than yours. Uh, and, so, and so maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Uh, we all make difficult choices. Some of them are more difficult than others in regards to following Jesus and being faithful. And so I want to just uh, give you a, a reference to a story here. Um, if you've read anything about Winston Churchill, you know he was a guy who had to make a lot of tough, dis- tough decisions. Um, during World War II, um, he had to make a really painful choice. And sometimes we have to make those choices that we feel like, are like I don't want to have to do that. But sometimes it's the one we have to do, right? And so uh, the British Secret Service intercepted this message from the Nazis. And when they did, they figured out the code that the Germans were producing, and they were able to decipher it. And when they, were, when they were able to decipher it, they laid it all out, and they informed Churchill, and they said, hey, good news, we've deciphered the code. They're going to bomb Coventry, and hundreds of people are going to die. What should we do? And so Churchill was faced with this decision, this choice, should we evacuate Coventry, or for the first time in the war, we have received the code, we have broken the code, and everything else that comes now after this, we will know what they are saying. So what choice would you make? Do you make the choice where Churchill said, hey, if we evacuate Coventry, then they're going to know we broke the code and they're going to change it? Or do we make the choice to not say anything? Yes, people will die, but will it be an end to the war? And so you look throughout history and you think about characters like this who had to make impossible decisions and started wars and ended wars and helped conflict hopefully come to an end through the tough choices that they had to make. But most of us were making a choice to, what, get up in the morning, right? Take our head off of our pillow, which sometimes we feel like is a, almost as difficult choice as that, but it's not. And we have to see things in right perspective and go, God, what do I need to do the first thing when I get up? Well, um, let me just recommend to you that if we are not walking rightly with God, if we're not saying, God, the most important thing to me is, is making sure my heart is right. I do that first thing in the morning. God, not let sin creep in, not let it destroy me, and not be able to lead my family and lead the church. God, would you make sure the things that come out of my mouth are things that honor you, uh, God, the things that are right. And nobody does this perfectly. And so that's why when you look at that word blameless, it's not about being perfect. It's about following God faithfully. And so how do we do that? Well, it's difficult. There are choices that we'll make the wrong, the decisions that we'll make the wrong choices on. And we'll have to look back at that and go, well, what do we do now? C.S. Lewis, he put it that way, this way, in light of eternity. Just read a quote from The Case for Christianity. If you haven't read it, um, I would recommend it to you. He said this, when the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. God is going to invade. All right, but what is the good of saying you are on his side then when you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else comes crashing in? This time, it will be God. Without disguise, something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love 
or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. That will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen. Whether we realized it before or not, now today, this moment, is our chance to choose the right side. And so, church, how do we do that, right? And that's scary. Like, when we, you read things by C.S. Lewis, you're like, wow, like that, that was deep. And it is because he's going, you want to make sure you're making, you made the right choice and you make the right choices now because when Jesus comes back or we're on our deathbed, wherever that is, whenever that is, you're not going to have that opportunity standing before God. And so let's think about that now. Let's think about how do we make those right choices now so that living blameless is not about this crushing weight of being perfect because everything rests on God anyway, right? He gives us that ability to do that anyway. We say our completeness and our fullness comes from looking at all these things in the view of God and his holiness and his righteousness, which he gives to us. And when God sees us, he sees us in that right way, in right standing, because we put our faith and trust in him. And so instead of sitting under that, that crushing weight of, of not being perfect, let's sit under, uh, or not under, but, but on this platform that God's given to us, um, that we can walk blamelessly because we're able to make right choices, because we're able to see clearly, and because we're able to say the things that come from a heart uh, which has been changed by the gospel. And so maybe, maybe you're here today, and maybe you're listening online, and you watch it later, uh, and you think, I don't know what that's about. Like, I want something like that, because I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, I'm not sure what side I was on. Well, it's as easy as this. We believe that uh, in order to be a Christian, in order to follow Jesus, and to have eternal life with him in heaven forever, we admit we're a sinner. Everybody makes mistakes. None of us should pretend like we don't. Uh, be believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins, and on that third day he was raised from the dead. Uh, anybody at any age can make that decision. And the last thing, see, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Um, give a public profession of faith that you have, uh, you have done that. And scriptures tell us that this will change us forever. So are we going to live in this way? Have you made that decision, that most important decision to begin with? And can we make these choices daily to live blamelessly? Not because we're good enough, but because God is. And he gives us this right perspective um, and help those others, those faithful saints that will walk alongside us to help us make those good choices so that when we get to the end, we're going, man, I made some mistakes, but I'm glad that I followed God the best that I could throughout that. That's what we want to be thinking about at the end, right? I mean, hopefully we can have that perspective. Um, so let me pray for us. We'll close and we'll have a short vote. Father, we uh, thank you uh, for um, the word today, um, God, that it uh, changes everything for us. Um, God, that uh, in a short psalm like this, God, you just you undo us. Um, God, that everything we think about ourselves, everything that we think we can do or that we see rightly, God, you, um, you change that. You help us to see it rightly, that we need to walk with you faithfully in view of eternity, and that that's where we'll be. And God, this changes all the other decisions that we make, all the other choices that we make in life. Um, God, are uh, hopefully more simple than we make them out to be. Um, God, the, the things that we say with our mouths, the what's coming out of our heart matters and how we view the world and everything in it. God, help us um, to take advantage of the things that we can. Those around us who are faithful, um, that have been doing this a lot longer, um, help us not to be prideful. Help us to be humble, um, knowing that, God, you hold everything together anyway. Um, it's your righteousness that you give us through Jesus that puts us in right standing before you. We can never do enough good things. 
to be in right standing. And when we stand before you, God, I'm thankful that um, we don't, uh, we, throughout this life, we've not sat, uh, sat under a crushing weight of burden, uh, but under um, just this uh, wonderful life of Jesus that lifts us up on this pedestal and that we can be in a right place with you because uh, we made uh, one right choice and then a lot of right choices that will precede that in the way that we view you and follow you. I pray we could do this like David. Um, we know it's hard. Uh, but God, we're thankful that this blamelessness comes from you and not from us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, uh, thank you guys for being here. Um, if you're a member in here, which um, I know a lot of us are,